0: As an emergency room pediatrician, Dr. Lara Zibners has seen it all. She has cared for a portion of the 25 million children in the U.S. who are taken to the ER each year. And you know what? Up to 75% of them, she says, are unnecessary. In her new book, If Your Kid Eats This Book, Everything Will Still Be Okay, Dr. Zibners shows parents when it's necessary to take action and when they can go back to bed and call the doctor in the morning. Good morning, Dr. Zibners. How are you?
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I've got to tell you, where was this book when I needed it? Because I was one of those panicky parents.
1: <laughs> well, sorry, I, I, my timing must have been off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say, actually, though, my daughter learned to walk when she was nine months old.
1: Lucky you, so she could get into everything.
0: Exactly, and I don't think she quite had the you know, mental prowess to match her physical prowess at that age, and she was bloody more often than she wasn't, so actually I had a right to be so nervous. But this is really some great stuff. So you say 75% of the people who take their kids in, really it's unnecessary. What are some of the most common unnecessary ER visits that parents of children do?
1: Um, You know, most of those unnecessary visits um, are, you know, 50 to 75% of the estimates, and most of them are nighttime or weekend visits when people don't think that they can call their pediatrician, which in most cases you can, and your pediatrician wants to be called before you come to the ER, you know, both to help you decide if it's necessary and also to call ahead to the ER if it is necessary and let them know you're coming. But I would say that probably the biggest thing we see that really worries parents is fever. Yes, I know. There's
0: nothing scarier, though, than a little tiny child with a really bad fever and their eyes are all glazy and they're lethargic. It's scary as a parent.
1: Well, the thing you have to remember is that fever is a symptom and it's just your body's way of fighting infection. It's your immune system kicking in. So fever is actually beneficial uh, in some ways. The problem with fever is that it makes you feel horrible. Mm-hmm. So what's more important to us is not the, the fever number. As long as the kid's over three months and is otherwise healthy, that number is not important to me. What's important to me is how the kid's acting. And you can't really assess that if the fever's high. So I say treat the fever just to make, you know, her feel better. And then if she looks still miserable and is still glazy-eyed and, and can't breathe and is, you know, lethargic, then that's a kid I want to see. But how she's acting with a fever, uh, that's 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 just the fever.
0: Well, first of all, just that whole thing was a full circle of good advice. I like that if the child's over three months, that's important. So you worry more about brandy new little babies than slightly older ones. But then the other thing is treat the fever, don't be afraid of it. So is there anything like sometimes you hear about people, um, you know, oh, putting an ice pack on a forehead or something? Is there any way that a parent might treat the fever topically or, or with that kind of an old fashioned treatment that
1: could endanger the child? Well, actually, we say, you know, if you want to just have them dressed in, you know, loose clothing appropriate for the environment or put them in a lukewarm bath, you never want to put a kid in ice or a cold bath because actually what that does is make them shiver and shivering raises your body temperature. Oh, right. So you
0: might right. Make it worse. Right. Okay. But basically a little baby Tylenol or something will bring it down and then reassess.
1: Right, and you know you shouldn't worry if the fever doesn't come all the way down with some Tylenol or Motrin. That doesn't mean anything significant, but it should make a kid feel better enough and break that fever enough that you can get an idea of whether she's really sick or you know this is just a you know a run of the mill kid thing.
0: Well, one of the other things that I know that are in the questions that parents often ask is dropping the baby. <laughs> I laugh because I dropped my kids, too. I'm going to sound like a terrible mother. They were bloody and I was dropping them all the time. But no, I wasn't really. But but that freaks
1: a parent out. Well, I almost feel like we should tell them just to drop them the minute you get them because it's going to happen. Let's <laughs> That's just right. That just get it
0: over with. And the worst part is they kind of bounce.
1: No, I'm kidding. But- <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody, uh, you know, drops the baby and you can't blame folks. They're exhausted and they fall asleep in the chair and the baby kind of rolls onto the floor. You know, it, it happens. The good news is it, almost always, almost never is this a uh, a really serious situation. Almost always those kids are fine. We do have a rule with the little tiny ones that says if I've one that's under three months falls more than three feet, we really want you to call your pediatrician. But otherwise, again, you look at the kid, you know, is is she awake and, you know, cooing and and doing her normal for whatever age she is, baby things, or does something not look right? You know, parents can listen to their gut. They know.
0: Yeah. You said a mouthful right there. Listen to your gut because you do know when something's really up with your child. I like that you say at one point, though, never trust a toddler. I mean, trust your gut, not the toddler. Whatever they say to you may be totally nonsensical.
1: Well, and, you know, little kids, they get into things. They're exploring the world, so it's not like they're malicious. But they get into things. They find medications. They, you know, feed the baby a leaf off the house plant. They (laughs) eat light bulbs. They do all kinds of things. So, you know, whatever your little kid, you know, might have gotten into, don't think your house is childproof, because childproofing is just a way to teach your kid how to solve problems.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, it is. That is how they learn how to get get what they want or explore things they shouldn't. It's so true. Right. You're creating
1: sort of like a puzzle for him to work on.
0: (laughs) Well, I love this whole thing about toddler weirdness. Now, if you're not a parent, you don't know what toddler weirdness is. But if you are a parent, toddler weirdness never sent me to the ER. But but tell me a little bit about some of the stuff the parent might see and is really not necessary to take them to the ER.
1: One of my favorites is something called a breath-holding spell, and this is something that toddlers will do. You know, usually starting sometime after one, and um, usually lasts until they're you know preschool age or maybe even a little bit older. And what they'll do is either from their crying because they're upset, or if they're startled suddenly certain kids will just hold their breath until they pass out. They turn uh, blue, they go down, they're unconscious, and after a few seconds, they start breathing again because they're no longer holding their breath because they're unconscious, uh, and they come right back around. And it's scary as all get-out for parents, but it really is just one of those wacky toddler things. It is.
0: Oh, I'm so glad mine never did that, but I will tell you that's just the kind of thing that strengthens you for the years to come. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they're just preparing you for what could get worse. If you're Just joining us, we're speaking with Dr. Laura Zibner. She's the author of If Your Kid Eats This Book, Everything Will Still Be Okay. How to Know If Your Child's Injury or Illness is Really an Emergency. Well, here's something that really is only near and dear to a parent's heart, and that is poop colors.
1: Poop colors. Everyone's <laughs> obsessed with their baby's poop. You know, people I gather know. around. They show it at parties. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times people have come into the emergency room with bags of pooped diapers for me. That's just exactly what I want at three o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh, really? Oh, that's gonna be hard. You no, know, but
1: the the the. the Real answer is the only color poop that we care about is really white. So a white, white poop might mean there's a problem with the liver clearing the bile from the body because what the body's taken in in food or is producing in bile is coloring the poop. So the poop can be yellow or green, and that's normal. It can be brown. It can be blue or purple if he had a whole pitcher of Kool-Aid. So all those colors, you know, the whole rainbow can happen, but the one I want to hear about is white. And then, you know, maybe some if there's some blood and it's just a little bit on a hard poop, that's okay. That's just a hard poop trying to get out. But lots of blood or blood mixed in with the diarrhea, it's not necessarily an emergency, but you definitely want to call your pediatrician on those two. Yeah,
0: I think anytime there's blood involved, you anything you tell us is not going to help. We're calling. <laughs> I that's mean, fine. you know, it's hard when there's when it's your little one and you see any kind of blood, but that's, that's great information. And again, the name of the book is if your kid eats this book everything will still be okay by dr laura zibners and you know what this is a great book if you're expecting you have a friend who's expecting you have little kids this is a good one to have in the house and dr zibners i really appreciate all this information
1: today great stuff Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure talking. Thanks for
0: listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at WKRQ.com.